As I was preparing this talk, I thought back to a time many years ago, back in Ohio, just a normal day in Toledo, Ohio. Everybody had a normal day except for me. I had a wife who was having contractions on and off all day long. We were shopping, and about every hour we'd have a little contraction. We got to about 9 o'clock that night, and bam, we went five, four, three minutes apart. We were five minutes from the hospital. We got to the hospital, and within an hour, my first daughter was born. She was a beautiful girl, dark hair, and as they took her and put her on this cold metal pan to weigh her, she cried. And I remember leaning down and just putting my face up against hers and speaking to her, and she got quiet. And I was melted. <laughs> 20 months later, I was blessed again in, in August of 1993 to have my second daughter come. And she was a beautiful little angelic-faced girl. And she has been, both of them have been blessings to my life. But what are, what are daughters for? What has God called us to in this venture? It's really important for us to have a biblical view of what God wants us to have with our daughters. They are an absolute blessing. I grew up with just a brother, never knew what a daughter was, never knew what a sister was. And um, the Lord has shown me much through them. But I've learned this, and that is that they are not for me. I have them for a season. I have this relationship with them uh, throughout my life. But they're not for me. They're for God's purposes and God's plan. If you'll turn to Genesis 24:60, you'll remember that Abraham sent his servant back to Padanaram to find himself a bride for Isaac. And Rebekah agrees to go back with this servant and to come back to become the bride of, of Isaac. And the daughters gather around her, and in verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 60, they say, And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate you. In other words, may you cause the multiplication of Isaac's and Abraham's tribe. May you have children upon children upon children upon children that will take the gate and will stand in the place of enemies. And we talked last time about God giving this wonderful gift of, to, of Adam, giving Eve, to, giving Eve to him. And imagine the fact that we're all offspring of Adam and Eve. What an incredible thing. And so daughters are critical players in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of emphasis upon men being leaders, taking responsibility, and, and living out their life and being shepherds in their home. But let's not forget the daughters, because the daughters become the Sarahs. The daughters become the Rebekahs. The daughters are to be women of faith who are willing to do great things for God by his grace, and by his power. There's no higher purpose than that for their life. It's not just to settle down, have a little family, and live a comfortable life. It is to be a part of moving the Christ kingdom forward. So all the daughters who are here today, you have a high and holy calling. And that is to be part of God's kingdom and to be part of the expansion of that kingdom. Whether you're single or whether you're married, whichever it is, that you would serve Christ with all that you have in your being. Psalm 127 tells us, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Children. Both sons and daughters are arrows to be sent out for the glory of Christ. There's much hard work in child training. And we're obviously the focus of this weekend has been both singleness and being married. But it doesn't matter how much you train your daughters 
if at the end of the day you give her to a man that has no that has no plan for Christ, that has no vision for the kingdom, that has no desire to do great things for God and to use his family for the purposes of God. So where do we even begin such a huge task with such far-reaching consequences of raising this little girl on the metal pan to become a young lady? Where do we, where do we go to that? Well, it's like everything else that starts with prayer. We need to acknowledge right off the bat that this task is bigger than we are to take our daughters and to raise them to be someday be, be wives and mothers. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps watch in vain. This is too big a task to undertake without God's help, his strength, and his wisdom. Now, a lot of us, when you get through with a series like we're doing today, you should have a load of guilt. <laughs> Amen? When you see all the things that you need to be doing from the Word of God, and you realize you're not. And so let's just commit that none of us have arrived, including me, and that we all have a ways to go. And so let's ask the Lord to show us some tangible steps that we can take in this area, in this session, so that it's not just being hearers of the Word and not doers. May God give us grace to take away at least two or three action points that we will begin to implement with our own children. Okay? We need to pray for wisdom to train up our daughter to be a godly woman. And we need to pray that God will give us a process in which to find a man for her, if that is God's will. And to teach her until that man comes to be a, a completely sold out single for Christ. Next, we need to seek the scriptures to understand the biblical calling for women. Without a vision, the people perish. And unfortunately, in this culture, we've lost a vision for biblical womanhood. It has been supplanted by feminism. And what is feminism? Feminism is the idea there's really nothing different between a man and a woman. They both can pursue the same things. There are no roles to be played and they're both equal, and no one's arguing that there's not equality of value. But there are different roles. That's why God made them male and what? Female. That statement is huge. They are different, and they carry out different roles. And both roles are glorious for his kingdom. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that he makes all these different parts of the body, of his body, and that there's none that are insignificant, none that are that are less than the others. They are all fit together into one body. The same is true with male and female. One is not superior to the other. They're both absolutely necessary. They're complementary. And they fit together wonderfully for the purposes of his kingdom. It's important that we have a vision and that the vision finds its origin in the word of God. Because only the Word of God is going to be able to stand up to the foolishness that's being pro propagated today about women. So not only is marriage under assault, not only is physical intimacy under assault, not only is the Word of God under assault, not only is the gospel under assault, but obviously women are under assault to do what they're not supposed to do and to leave the role God's called them to. And so your challenge as parents is to help your daughter fully embraced the wonderful vision that God has for her. The scripture warns us in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Millions of women are being taken captive to hollow and deceptive philosophy. And they are pursuing what they think is going to bring fulfillment. But in the end, it's going to leave them empty and their life will be wasted. We have to get our marching orders from the scriptures. We must know the goal and the goal cannot be our goal. 
The goal has to be his goal. After all, the Bible tells us that everything that was made in heaven and on earth was made through him and what? For him. So daughters here today, you were made for Christ. That's your purpose. Men here today, you were made for Christ. Everything in creation was made for God. It was from him, through him, and what? To him. That's the calling that we have. In order to be used by him, we must fit into his role that he calls for us. Let's look at the biblical calling for women. We're going to look at that. We're going to look also at why do we fail to prepare daughters for the biblical calling. And then we're going to look at how to prepare daughters for their biblical calling. And I'm going to try, as we go through some of these things, there's lots of lists here. I'm going to try to synchronize it on down. Try to share some of the things we've tried to do with our daughters. I will say this. God's grace is better than our efforts. I'm shocked at the daughters that I have. Uh, they're a blessing and they come from God. And the, and the change in them has come from God. And they're not perfect and neither is their dad. But we praise God that he takes imperfect efforts and he does immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Okay? So the first thing we're going to look at is this concept of being a biblical helpmeet. Let's turn to Genesis 2.18. So here's Adam. He's counting all the animals. He can't find anybody that matches him. He's counting them all. He's named them all. And the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. And I'll say... That's a true statement. Men don't need to be left alone. We need help. We're not complete in and of ourselves. We need a helpmeet. And so the first role of a woman, a daughter, is to be a biblical helpmeet. Adam was, there was no way Adam was going to populate the earth without a Eve. It wasn't going to happen. The command was to be fruitful and multiply. Can't do that by yourself, guys. Doesn't happen. And God has given both those roles, beautiful roles. Eve was to be the completer of Adam. She was to be the helpmeet of Adam. And so God, daughters, is being called to be a completer, a helper. And women can't help but be helpers because that's what they are. No matter whether you put them in the corporate world or wherever they are, they always find themselves in roles helping because that's, what, that, that's, that's how God has designed them. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. So it would be a, a biblical help meet. Secondly, a domestic entrepreneur. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Here we have one energized, industrious woman at work. Listen to all that she does. An excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She profits him. She takes him, takes him to the next level. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. This woman is full of energy, full of zeal to accomplish all God has called her to do. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor, and she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not a, so she, here's a heart of ministry and caring for those in need. She's not afraid of snow or her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bedding covering, coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. A man is not going to be successful without, without a helpmate like this. That's why he's in the gate, because of the, of the Proverbs 31 woman. 
Not to saying that men cannot be successful apart from a woman, those who are single. But what we're saying here is the reason he's there in the context of this passage is because who he has is his helpmeet. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. This is not a weak woman. This woman is strong. And she laughs at the time to come. Whatever she's facing, she's able to what? Laugh. Nothing, nothing, she's not fearful. She's strong. She's dignified. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This woman's not sitting around propped up on the couch watching the latest soap opera. She is active in pursuing those things that help fulfill the calling of this man. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceiving and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, men, I hope we all heard that statement. Charm and beauty are not what we're looking for. Young men who are single, we're looking for a woman who fears the Lord. She is the one to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband rises up and blesses her. This woman is productive for the purpose of the kingdom. Third, a wife who plays the role of the church in marriage. Uh, Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 For women who are, who are married, they have the challenge of playing this great drama before everyone. Their husband plays the role of Christ. He is not Christ. He's not close to Christ, but he's called to play the role of Christ. And she is called to play the role of the church and to submit Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Look through your husband to the Lord and submit to your husband. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. She's in this incredible role of submission to her husband. She's like Sarah, who submitted to Abraham. Abraham did some foolish things, if you'll remember. Remember, he went down to Egypt and had a grand plan that he was going to be killed if they found out he was, she was his wife. So he claimed her as his sister, which she was a half-sister. And she finds herself in the court of Pharaoh, getting ready to be Pharaoh's wife. Before God causes a dream to come upon Abimelech, and he, and he turns away and gives, gives Abraham back his wife. So it's a challenge to submit to men, ladies, because we're not perfect. And there's going to be times you're going, where in the world are you leading me? But you trust the Lord and you move forward in that. So you play the role of the church in marriage. D, you're a godly wife, mother, and worker at home. Titus 2, 3 through 5. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And to train the young women to love, what are they supposed to train the young women to do? To love their husband and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, no hint of impurity, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God may not be reviled. We want the word of God to go forth and not be reviled. We need to play out our role in the home. So the biblical role of a, of a wife is a helpmate, an entrepreneur, plays the role of the church in their marriage, a godly wife, a mother, and a worker at home, a submissive and respectful wife with a gentle, quiet spirit, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Your, wife, your conduct, daughters, should be so exemplary as a wife 
that you cause the obedience of your husband to take a step up without having to what? Nag. Nagging is not part of your job description. Okay? Is it a temptation? Absolutely. Especially when you've told him a thousand times about that situation and he still stubbornly moves forward in the same direction. You're going, I've got to say it one more time. I've got to nag him. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. In other words, where should your adorning come from? It's not saying you can't ever wear anything that makes you look nice. It's saying where should your beauty come from? Your beauty should come from the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight is very precious. So how we describe this woman in, in 1 Peter 3, she is, she's in subjection to her husband. She's under his authority. She, is, she doesn't have to control the situation to make him do what she wants him to do. She can trust Christ in that situation. She's respectful. Again, she's pure. There's no hint of impurity or immorality in her. And her beauty comes from within. From a quiet and a gentle, a spirit that is totally at peace that God is in control. This doesn't mean that she doesn't ever talk to her husband about his sin. It's not saying that. Because the Bible also tells us if someone sins against you to go to them with their sin. And we'll talk about that some more tomorrow. Okay? But what it does say is there's a peace within her heart. And her trust is in God. She respects and she submits to her husband. But where's her trust? It's in Christ. Because she knows the man that she's following is just as sinful as she is. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Submission is a beautiful thing. You would never know it in this culture, would you? It is an absolutely beautiful thing. In this situation, the husband is one without a word because of the submission of his wife. Well, of course, it's a beautiful thing because Christ was what? Submissive to the Father, wasn't he? To the point of death. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. If you want to be like Sarah, don't be fearful. Was Sarah perfect? No, she wasn't. She had some moments, didn't she? Like when she's in the, in the tent listening through the tent to, to the two angels and the angel of the Lord talking to Abraham. And she starts laughing at the thought that she's going to have a child in the next year. So she wasn't perfect, but she submitted to her husband in some difficult situations and trusted the Lord. So this is what a biblical woman looks like. So fathers and moms, if you want to give your daughters a picture of what they need to be, whether they're married or single, this is the description. Genesis 2.18, Proverbs 31.10-31, through 31, Ephesians 2.18. 5, 22 through 23, Titus 2, 3 through 5, and 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. How are we failing to prepare our daughters for their biblical calling? Well, first of all, we don't make it a priority. We make the assumption that add water, stir for 21 years, and out comes a godly woman. I wish it happened that way. It doesn't. We are intentionally about training our children 
in so many other areas, aren't we? Now, we're all about grammar, and we're all about Saxon math, and we're all about music and sports, and we are very diligent to train and train our children in all these ways. The question, parents, is are you making it a top priority to prepare your daughter for this high calling? There's no higher calling than this, to be a, a, a daughter of God, to be used by him in whatever status she finds herself, whether married or whether single. There's no greater, there's no greater status than that. So we have girls who spend years and years in intensive study in their professions. They get their licenses and all these things. And Carolyn Mahaney made this statement. Isn't it telling that our culture requires training and certification for so many vocations of lesser importance, but hands us marriage and motherhood without instruction? You don't need to be certified to be a mom. You don't need to be certified to be a wife. You're okay. Just because we don't value it. May I say God values it. In God's scheme of things, it's beautiful. And we want to affirm you ladies that it is beautiful. Y'all are a blessing to the kingdom of God as you pursue Christ. And we, we shouldn't be surprised that the culture doesn't get it. They haven't gotten anything right yet. Our culture doesn't value it. But as Christians, we should because our God obviously does. And remember in Proverbs 31, that her children and her husband rise up and what? Bless her name. Rise up and bless her. Men, do you rise up and bless your wife's name? Or have you told her she's done a good job 15 years ago and until you tell her again, she knows that that's the case? might want to tell her a little more often than that. Children, do you rise up and tell your mom that she's a blessing to you? It's a long run. It's a challenging run. So parents, let's do some evaluation. Are you diligently preparing your daughter for her primary calling or is her schedule packed with good but less valuable things? One of the real challenges I know in our age group when we came to faith in Christ and we walked into marriage is most of, most of our wives at our age group had never been trained in even domestic skills. Having somebody to the house was a very traumatic event because they didn't know what was going to come out of that oven and what it was going to look like because somehow that whole thing of being trained to do those things was skipped because their parents, even though they had come through the depression and through the age of having seven, eight, nine children in the family, they were already moving away from a view of biblical womanhood and towards something else. So we don't make it a priority. Second, we don't build a, a relationship of, of a love and trust. How does a daughter become like this? There's a relationship of love and trust. And we fail. If we fail, it's because we fail to build this relationship of love and trust. Ephesians 6.4 tells us not to provoke our children to anger. So the best and most effective discipleship is done in the context of relationship. If we don't have a relationship with our daughters, then we can't speak truth into their lives. It's just that simple. And, you know, and I've, as a pastor, I've seen enough situations where you're trying to reach out and get a hold of this daughter, and she's drifting away, but she's gone because she's become offended. She's become a fortified city that can't be brought, brought in. And so it's very important, fathers, mothers, that you have tight relational ties with your daughter to be able to navigate her through all the things that she needs. Because here's what you're asking her to do. You're asking her to go against the very culture she lives in. Everyone's going this way, and you're saying, hey, it'd be a great idea to go this way. 
How is someone going to follow in that way unless there's a relationship built with them? Preparing a daughter for marriage requires an investment from both parents long before her desire for romance begins. If you're just going to build a relationship with your daughter before the first guy shows up, you're going to be in trouble. You have to have a history of years of time where you have been real with them, where there's a relationship built when you offend them, that you can go to them and tell them you're sorry and would you please forgive me, to acknowledge your own faults, moms and dads. And dad, how tight is your relationship with your daughters? Some of us guys have a struggle with being close. We're just kind of the kind of the staunch guy here. Does she truly know that you love her, that you had the very best for her? Because when the first guy comes along who really is not a good choice and you say no, Where is she going to go? Is she going to follow you and trust you in this? Or is she going to be gone? There are many ways to communicate love to our children. And you know, many of us did not receive this from our own fathers. So we're trying to build new habits. Which is not easy. But it's so worth the battle. So here's the good news. The good news is we all have fallen short. Men, we all have a ways to go. The good news is we can repent. The good news is we can start to do things differently. Whatever we get out of this this Saturday, we can, by the grace of God, change. The question is, do you have the courage to change? If you're disconnected from your daughter, do you have the courage to re-engage them? It may, require a, a, it may require an evening of sitting down and having a long conversation about a lot of things and getting really real and admitting your failure and your commitment to do something different. And moms, we're not aloof from that either, are we? We can become disconnected from our daughters. And we can be harsh with them. And we can be overly demanding of them. In order to navigate them to where God wants them to be, there has to be a relationship there. And I really, you know, this is just one of those areas that that's the way God works is through through relationships. He just does. It's just not dispensing information. And they respond wonderfully when that's there. And you know what? They're amazingly forgiving. My daughters are. They get to practice it a lot. But they are. And so it's a wonderful gift. Our job is to give them a faithful picture of the loving father. So let's make time to spend with our daughters. That means when they want to talk, you need to talk. But I'm checking the news on the Internet. It doesn't matter. But I've got these phone calls I need to make. It doesn't matter. Oh, and would you forgive me again for doing that, girls? Thank you. Yeah, do we have time to talk? They need time to hear from their dad. What's more important in our lives? One of my favorite memories is taking my daughters out on a date. I got a little picture on my desk. It's a picture of one of my daughters, about five or six, in a little girly girl dress, sitting in daddy's lap. Or walking in the door and hearing at the top of their lungs, Daddy's home! All running to the door. 
Make time to spend with your daughters. That's the great thing about this. Discipleship is fun. Discipleship is enjoying your daughters and building a lifelong relationship with them. I only wish I'd done it more. But I truly enjoyed spending time with my children, and they knew that. As imperfect as I was, they, they knew that. Show your daughters much affection and don't stop as they get older. They still like a hug. They still love a kiss on the cheek. They still like sometimes you being silly. Well, it depends. If you're in public, yeah, they're not so much about for that anymore. <laughs> but they need to know that they can come to you. They need to know that you have time for them. They need to know that you really care about them and love them. But if you fail in that, then it's going to be difficult to help them navigate toward a marriage and to hear your counsel. Listen, listen, listen. That's the next little tag here. The third way we fail is we fail to listen, listen, listen. Give them your focused attention. Quit trying to multitask. I remember one of my daughters, when she wanted to get everybody's attention, this was when she was little. This didn't happen last week. She'd go, listen, listen up. And if you didn't get it, listen, listen up. She'd be able to have to listen, listen up. She wanted to be heard. Daughters want to be heard. Daughters want you, they have some things to tell you. They have a lot of things to tell you. And even if they don't pick the best time to tell you, be gracious to them. And if you're not, apologize. Ask forgiveness. I can't tell you how many parent calls I've had when I was a teacher and having a huge fight break out on the other end of the phone between a daughter and their parent and the anger and stuff that poured out in that conversation. Because this, this relationship had been abused and abused and abused. And when they leave, you didn't listen. James 1 tells us to do what? Be quick to listen, slow to speak. That's, that's great advice for a lot of situations. Quick to listen, slow to speak. How do we fail our daughters? We fail to care more about them as children and more about what other people think. If your parenting is only for public show, they pick up on that. If the only time you're really spiritual is when you're in public, they pick up on that. If they're just little trophies you bring around and show people, this is my daughters are all wonderful because I'm a wonderful parent, they pick up on that. So do you care more about your children or about your public reputation? And another way we fail is when we do fall and we fail to admit that we've sinned. If you're willing to admit you're wrong, you come right back up in their eyes. Amazingly, shockingly, when you acknowledge that you've sinned against them, they bounce back like this, as if nothing had ever happened. They're incredibly resilient. Women are incredibly resilient people. If, as men and as parents, we're willing to acknowledge when we fall short. I spent a lot of time talking about this, but here's what I believe. If you've not built a relationship of love and trust with your daughter, she won't trust you when it comes to the big issues. Shep talked about that out in our panel discussion, that his daughter completely trusts him and won't even consider a young man because of the trust that's there. This is a great quality to have. We're not talking blind faith. We're talking amazing ability to submit 
and trust and respect. This is what a biblical woman is. She doesn't, she doesn't have her eyes closed. She knows we're not perfect. But she's willing to follow. She's willing to submit. She's willing to sacrifice. And when you mess up, if you, if you acknowledge that and confess it, she's willing to forgive. That comes from the Lord. That's what every man needs to be looking for in a, in a, in a wife, is a woman who can submit and follow and help them see their weaknesses and when they're sinned against, bounce back. That's the grace of God. It's really important to have this relationship going into those years when it's time for the young men to come around. Because daughters need counsel like everybody else does. And if you have alienated your daughter from your counsel, then they're on their own to make their decision. And sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes it's their fault. Just make sure it's not yours. Make sure that as best you can, you live at peace with your daughter. Does that make sense? How else do we fail to prepare our daughters for marriage? We don't protect them from the harmful influences and appetite. Their own appetites, their own influences. There's a lot out there in the world they need to be protected from. And especially early on as they're little, they need to not catch the vision of the world has for women. Because they're never going to measure up to that vision. Because that, that vision is false. So you need to be careful to protect them. You need to be careful to protect them from what they're entertained by. You need to be careful to protect them from unwise friends. There's times you have to say, honey, that's the last time you're going to see that person. I love you and I love them, but that's not a good combination. Sometimes from extended family, that's the last time you're going to go visit so-and-so. Because of the danger that's there, the challenge that's there. And to be able to make those kind of calls... Lastly, we fail to prepare our daughters for their biblical calling because we don't have a plan. There's no real plan to do that. We've got great intentions. We're all excited about our daughters becoming godly women, but there's no real plan. We're busy. We've got a lot going on. But we don't have a plan. So let's talk about a few things we've tried to do as imperfectly as we as we are, to try to help build this relationship. One thing we've done is that every year when we celebrate a child's birthday, they get to go out with mom and dad, just us. And we talk about the year. We talk about the things we're seeing that's positive and growing in their life. We see the steps they're making in these areas. And we also see those areas that they're having a challenge in. So we bring those things that are good as well as those things they need to work on in their life. And we work together to set goals. And some of those goals are skill development, maybe certain topics to study that are necessary for them, verses to memorize, books to read, character qualities to develop, ministries to participate in. This is just something we've come up with. It'd probably be better to have it every quarter, for that matter. But a time when you sit down and you talk heart to heart with your, with your children and with your daughters and help set goals for them and help them set goals for themselves to help strengthen them in their character. need to deal with them spiritually. I'm not going to go into any of these. I'm just going to list them for you. These are areas you need to think about. In training them spiritually, look at these areas. Family worship. Are they getting a consistent diet of the word of God in your family? Are you teaching them doctrine? Are they growing in their understanding of doctrine? Doctrine is very important. Understanding God rightly and themselves rightly is very important. We've used a book called Training Hearts, Teaching Minds, which is a catechism book with some lessons 
helping them, helping them take some of the older catechisms and these, these great truths that are question and answer and walking them through that. There's another great book one of my friend's wife um, wrote called Small Talks on Big Questions. It deals with the catechism question, and it deals with an Old Testament example and a New Testament example. Teach them the attributes of God. They need to know who God is. They need to know his attributes because because he's the one they're trusting. When they're with the man, when they're with their husband, and he's being a bozo instead of a boaz, they're going to need to know who God is. Okay? Teach your daughters how to deal with temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Teach your daughters how to have a personal walk with Christ. Help daughters to develop their own biblical convictions. Teach your daughters the importance of commitment to the local body of Christ. And teach them to have a heart for ministry. So let's look at um, how to prepare daughters for their biblical calling. First, let's look at the, a model a joyful biblical marriage relationship. Didn't say perfect. I said joyful and biblical. If they're going to learn what a marriage looks like, they need to see one, don't you think? They need to see it for more than just a snapshot here and there. They need to see a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church. They need to see a wife submitting to the husband as the church submits to Christ. They need to see love in that relationship. They need to see the sharpening that God brings in that relationship. They need to see the forbearing and forgiveness that each spouse has toward each other. They need to see a beautiful picture of marriage so that they'll desire to what someday? Be married. Why do a lot of people don't want marriage anymore? Because what they saw in their house, if that's marriage, they don't want it. It's just that simple. It's World War III, no thank you. I'm not going to do that. We must teach them the God's design for women. That's those first five or six points there. Teach them what biblical womanhood looks like. Pick, a, pick some books on marriage and have them read them. Give them a picture for what marriage can be. Help them see when you fail, why you fail. Be honest with them. Help them see that. Teach them the qualities of a godly man. This will be up under training them for biblical womanhood. Good luck finding a place for it. What's the qualities of a godly man? Pretty simple. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. The qualifications of an elder. Yeah, let's, let's shoot high. Let's go for qualifications of an elder. Let's find a young man who's striving for those. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's at least striving for those. Okay. Provide godly role models for your daughters. Find other ladies in the church and other ladies you know who are godly women in their marriage and let your daughters spend time with them. Let them go help take care of the younger kids. Spend time with others. Titus 2 ministry is wonderful because it doesn't just depend upon you. Guess what? We are primary disciples of our children. We're primary disciples of our daughters. Praise God, we're not the only disciples of our daughters, or they would all have all the flaws we have. Okay? We want to have a bigger gene pool involved in this deal. Okay? So welcome the input from other godly women in this body to your daughter to encourage her in the ways of God. 
under training in character and godly habits. They need to be trained to be submissive and respectful. How they learn that? From obeying their parents. Teach them to have a servant's heart. How do you do that? You get involved in ministry. You find ministries you want to be involved in, plug in and let them learn to have a ministry, a ministry heart. Let them, let them help young moms who are struggling with five or six kids. Let them come over and help clean the house up in a day for them. Get it back in order again. Let them help in dad's business. Let them help with hospitality. Let them help with menu planning. Let them help with, with cooking. Let them help with teaching the younger children. Develop within them a heart of service. Train them to have a forgiving heart. Teach them what Christ did for them and help walk them through how to forgive their siblings, how to forgive their parents, how to forgive other people when they're wronged. Teach them how to ask and how to receive forgiveness. It's not just a foregone conclusion. They need to be trained in that. Teach them to have a compassionate heart, a heart of kindness. Teach them to be kind and compassionate to people that, that, that are different than they are. Teach them to be kind to all people. Teach them to have a desire for other people and their interests. Teach them to be conscious of the new people at church and to reach out to them. There'll be times we go to church and we say, okay, girls, here's your, here is your assignment today. This person right here is by themselves. They need to be ministered to. Please reach out to them with the love of Christ. Is that natural? No. Who says we're supposed to do what's natural? Teach them to be compassionate. Teach them to think of others. Teach them diligence. To stick with the task until it's done. Teach them self-control and self-denial. Teach them that it's okay they didn't get their way. Teach them it's okay. Teach them to control their tongue. They need to be careful with what they say. They need to be thoughtful in what they say. Teach them contentment. There's a great book, Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. I think it's a Puritan work. Find those kind of books and let your daughters read those. Gratefulness, one of our great, we love that, we love the scripture. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Yes, we still remember it, don't we? Teach them to be grateful. Have them write a list of things that they're grateful for. When they're ungrateful, when they're, when they're whiny, when they're pouting, those are very few occasions when that happened, have them write a list of what they're grateful for. Help them to be joyful and cheerful. Don't let them just sit there and wallow in their moodiness. Girls have the ability to be very strong and very rugged as far as, as being able to do those things. But you have to call them to that. Teach them flexibility. It's not about their schedule. It's about somebody else's schedule. Give them a love for learning. They're going to be the teachers of your grandkids. Love books, love how to learn, build within your, within your daughters a love for learning. Purity, help your daughters to be pure, help them to take their thoughts captive, help them to dress modestly. Give them courage, teach them courage. So we go to Raleigh. We're going to downtown Raleigh, and Raleigh, they're having, a, they're having a family day for the alternative lifestyle. This is where they try to show that they're just like everybody else. So we go down there to pro proclaim the gospel. So we engage a couple of men, and we have this discussion. And one of the men starts talking to my daughter. And he's trying to warn her about being brainwashed. 
And my daughter says to him, I don't believe that believing the Bible is being brainwashed. Like, whoa. Courage. Courage to speak truth. Not to be mean, but to be able to speak the truth of God as it's necessary. Teaching them humility and teachability. We try to teach our, our children they're no one special. We love them, but they're to love other people where they're at. Teaching your children to love others is a huge thing to teach your children. Sacrificial love, model it for them. And call them to it. And put them in situations where they have to sacrifice And then training them in profitable skills. Proverbs 31 woman had a lot of skills, didn't she? Okay? So think about it, moms and dads. What skills do your daughters need? What do they need to learn and to pick up? And there's a whole lot of them. Relational communication skills, that's huge. There's a good book called How to Make Brothers and Sisters Best Friends. Teach your children to take the initiative in conversation. Don't let your children sit back and have everybody come to them to talk to them. You teach them to take initiative and to reach out and to talk to people of all age groups. All this stuff is training. Well, my daughter's just kind of shy. She can get over it. Well, my son's kind of, he can get over it too. And we can train them in these things. Some of us act like their manners just kind of came with the package, and we just don't touch those things. Train them. Teach them. Conflict resolution. We went through the whole book, Peacemakers. A great resource. You're going to have to deal with conflict. It's coming your way. You can't avoid it. It's hardwired into your own life, for that matter. Teaching them to order their life according to biblical priorities. Teaching them child training skills. Letting them babysit for kids who are out of control. That'll teach them some child training skills. They don't pull their hair out first. Teach them homemaking skills. Make sure they're fully equipped to handle everything. Hospitality. I'll tell you, I don't know what I'm going to do when my daughters get married. It's going to be rough. <laughs> I remember we were at our, one of our last churches, and we had, and the girls had gone to a wedding, and so had Josh. And I had just decided to invite some people over to the house, thinking everything was normal, right? And I, I think we had 50 people showing up to the house. And I looked over at Daniel. Daniel looked at me with that look of, you just messed up. <laughs> Because now we have to do everything. Because everybody else is gone. Yeah. It was the hardest hospitality we ever did in our life. <laughs> Teach your daughters hospitality. Teach them to be gracious and, and, and welcoming into the home. Teach them financials. Teach them to be able to handle the pocketbook. To be able to budget to be able to take as much off the husband as they can for the glory of God. Teach them business skills. There's just, a, I mean, the list just goes on, but that's enough. Prepare them for marriage. And if they don't mar they're not married, they get to stay with you. My joke with my daughters is, when I die, you guys can get married. <laughs> well, it's not fair. You spend 20-some-odd years training him, and then some whippersnapper comes along and thinks he'd like to have him as his, as his help meet. What's that? What's that all about? Any questions? No questions? Good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our daughters, that they're made in the image of of you, 
and they're made for your kingdom and kingdom purposes. And Lord, whether you call them into marriage or you call them to singleness, Father, that they would pursue along with their parents to become as equipped as they can for the work of the kingdom. Father, we praise you for the blessing of daughters. And Lord, I thank you for my daughters. What a blessing they are to me. Oh, Father, give us a plan and give us the zeal of the Lord to equip them for every good work that they may all be Dorcases who are full of good works to the glory of Christ our King. Amen.